the biggest hurdle, um, and, and, and the audience knows this, the biggest hurdle I see it time and time again with churches right now, where we are in, in September, August, September, 2022, um, physical pastors are wanting to get back to physical buildings and putting all the eggs in that basket, which may be the right answer for today. Uh, but it's, it's fraudulent and it's short sighted because I think there's an opportunity to do something different. Welcome to the Church Digital Podcast. Through this podcast, we'll talk about the technological innovations within the church. But more than tech for tech itself, we'll address deeper questions. Is disciple making possible digitally? How should we approach the digital mission field? Can a biblically grounded church operate in digital space? Oh, and where does the metaverse fit into all this? Whether you're a big or small church, an established church or a startup church plant, The Church Digital's goal is to help churches like yours learn to be a multiplying church, digitally and physically. Our heart, that churches like yours will discover a newfound focus on disciple-making that will revolutionize your church. And now, here's your host, Jeff Reed. Hey there, welcome to the Church Digital Podcast. Jeff here once again, co-founder of Digital Church Network, the Church Digital Leadership Network, New Thing Network, Media Impact International, and uh, well, Pretty much anybody else that'll sign a contract. No, I'm kidding. Well, not everybody, but definitely looking forward to helping forward-facing organizations that are interested in tackling digital churches, nonprofits. Very excited about this and obviously helping people plant digital and metaverse examples of church. Um, hey, that was a mouthful. I really have got to figure out how to simplify that, but that's not going to happen today. Hey, so uh, it's going to be an interesting podcast. We're going to have a little fun here. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to a guy I know like very, very little about. Uh, we've got Doug Bursch in, in the conversation here. Uh, and, and so I'm going to set the stage and we're going to dig into it here a, a little bit. Doug, uh, we've got some mutual friends, Sarah Kinzer and Hector, my pocket pulpit uh, friends with the Pocket Pulpit Podcast. Say that three times fast. And uh, and so I was following them on Twitter, seeing some things. And uh, and Doug said said something in passing on, on Twitter. Hey, if anybody's like interested in being interviewed on their own podcast, I, I'd love to be a guest. And, and if you know me, I'll say yes to pretty much anything. And, and so, Doug, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. And this is kind of fun because we don't know each other that well. But even your introduction makes me want to ask a hundred questions. When did you mention twenty things that you're doing all at once? I, I got I got a panic attack just thinking about all those. <laughs> you know what they call that now? It's actually I was I was doing an interview for Leadership Network today and another show, and and the guys like Jeff, you are an excellent example of a fractional leader. And I was like, is that what they call me? Fractional leaders, where where I lead in a bunch of different frac. I guess so. Hey, I'm a fractional leader, everybody. I, I, it's great to have a label. Well, I don't like math, so I need a term that doesn't use fractions. I don't know. <laughs> I have to get some poetry term as well. But awesome. So yeah, Doug, I'm, I'm excited for this conversation. Um, you know, let me let me throw it at you right now. I know you've you've written several books, and and recently, and one of the ones that I was curious about, posting peace. Why social media divides us and what we can do about it. We'll put a link in the show notes, but Doug, talk us a little, talk to a little. Yeah. Well, one, thanks for having me on. I've written a couple of books and they're both, you know, about different things, but community is a big issue to me, like how we come together and what divides us. So my first book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, is what does it really mean to be a community? What does it really mean to be a church? And I think that works with technology in the world, you know, you're working in as well, right? Like, how do we facilitate community? What do you need for something to be called a church? Uh, and how essential is it for community? But my latest book, Posting Peace, is Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. And the issue is we've all realized this, that social media, this, this divisiveness, this anger, this polarization, at the same level, I love social media. So that's not one of those Amish 2.0, let's just not, you know, let's just take a fast from all media and just, I, I care about it. It's not going to go away, but how do we live with this technology? How do we understand how it polarizes us? Because I don't think we understand the technology itself uh, transforms and changes the way we abide together. And then uh, also in the sense of as Christians, are we supposed to look different online or do we just look uh, like everybody else? So it's a way for people to process how they use social media and to understand that people aren't just becoming worse 
terrible people. But the technology itself is bringing out some of the best of us or the best in us and the worst in us as well. And both those exaggerations we need to pay attention to. Definitely. And, and uh, just let, me, let me just say, as a guy who has literally dedicated the majority of his life towards digital and digital ministry and church and digital space, the internet is horrible. Digital is tragic, and, and when like when it was funny, I was actually I was sitting. Uh, I'm not going to drop a name because I might be rude to another author, but I was sitting into and talking to a nationally recognized author, and dude, in his book, he rips digital to shreds. And when I said I was a, a digital guy, like in his face, kind of dropped because he was like, I literally I watched his eyes. He was afraid I was going to rip him, and I was like, I agree with everything you said. It is horrible. But it doesn't have to be. And, and, and that's yeah. the pivot. I mean, this thing is – it's a nightmare. Like, it is toxic. It's addictive. But it doesn't yeah. have to be. And maybe there's an opportunity to do something with these tools. Well, and it's not going to go away. And uh, certainly the platforms might change. I think every generation doesn't want to be on their parents' platform. So that's always going to change. You know, I don't be on Facebook so my parents are. And it'll be like that with Snapchat. It'll be like that with Instagram. So they'll have to create some other new thing for your kids or grandkids to be on. But the way we behave online is going to be, online's going to have its strengths and weaknesses regardless. You know, one of the things that I look at is uh, there's a technological theorist by the name of Marshall McLuhan. He was mm -hmm. popular in the it's, you know, late 70s, and and I know you know about him, but there's a couple things he said that really hit me. First, the medium is the message, and basically what he's saying is we need to understand that every form of media, whether it's printing press, television, radio, internet, it changes the way we communicate. It's not just another way to communicate information, but it changes what we communicate and how we communicate it. And so that's a big issue that I look at is, you know, I think about Twitters like this. Have you ever tried to tweet a scripture? Most scriptures don't even fit into a tweet, which might not mean much, but that changes what we communicate, right? You don't want to do a thread of scripture. So that's a very simple thing, but that means we limit what we communicate, what we talk about within those boundaries and those borders. The other thing McLuhan talks about that just fascinates me is uh, he says, Every technology extends a part of our human capacity, but it also weakens that human capacity that it extends. And I know that sounds a little complicated, but the idea is like the car extends the feet and we can go farther than ever, but it also makes us lazy where we don't exercise, we don't go anywhere. So it extends our human capacity and then it makes us weak as humans. Well, the internet's like that. In fact, every technology is like that. So the internet extends our ability to connect with people, more to find more people than ever before, to share our thoughts instantaneously. But at the same time, it's weakening some of our human connections, our ability to abide with people through conflicts, our ability to deal with difficulties, to form relationships that are complex and not simplistic that go through a conflict, uh, to be able to pause in that instantaneous communication and learn how to discern what should be communicated and shouldn't be communicated. So those are the things I want us to process. It's not, oh, just get off internet or, you know, embrace it completely. It's we need to understand how it's forming us and to, then to make sure as Christians, we allow Christ to form us through our community and through our social media interactions. That's a pretty heady view. What strengthens us weakens us like that. Yeah. There's a, it's, it's a two-sided coin. Yeah. And by the way, and I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. You, in the stuff you do, you have to, every strength can be a weakness, right? Like Zoom meetings, what are the strengths of those Zoom meetings? During COVID, we found this, you, know, you could gather, even if you couldn't be in person. Uh, but then also the fact that you can easily gather through a Zoom meeting, that sometimes people don't take community seriously. Like when you had to set time to meet on a Thursday at 7 p.m. and drive to some place and be a part of that, uh, that was a different reality than I can just stumble out of bed and turn on the computer and connect. That changes a dynamic. There's strengths and weaknesses to that dynamic. And that's the part I don't think we look at enough. It eases our ability to connect with each other, but it also might weaken uh, the input and the energy and the <laughs> the commitment we do to building community because of the easiness of doing that. And and we all know getting tired with social with uh you know Zoom meetings where we're online all the time. And because on Zoom we have to look each other in the eye and there's less cues in the room. And so the strength is we connect to the weaknesses we can't 
you know, when you're together with someone in a room, you can interrupt each other, you can look down, you don't have to look at the screen the whole time. But the insecurities of online communication have another, you know, reality. I think the church doesn't take this seriously enough when we institute new, you know, online expressions. I don't think our world takes it seriously enough. So I want us to ponder this as we're forming the technology. That's 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 really interesting. Um, is there what is a model that isn't toxic of social media like have, have is that is are you looking to redeem it is is it lost and, and, and you're wanting to go on to the to the next like what's what's the um utopian version of of where you are like what's where where, where would you want to go by the way, utopia literally means a place that does not exist. And so I, I think that's one of the problems is we think we have this you idea of utopian church. I'm, I'm on to you. That, that, that's, that's deep too. <laughs> we want a utopian church as utopian. They don't exist. And I don't think we should even seek those out. You know, God can give us utopia in heaven. But, uh, well, one of the things, here's an example of the strengths and weaknesses of it. What is one of the tremendous strengths of social media? It unites people with shared interest, shared trauma. So people who've been abused by the church, they can gather together and share their stories. They never would have been able to do that. They can find voice. They can find advocacy. They can mobilize to take down terrible ministries and corrupt people. That's a strength. But here's the weakness of that. People tend to unite around one thing, right? We all unite around the church abuse thing. The internet allows us to unite around one thing. And so many communities are formed that way. We all unite around deconstruction. We all unite around Star Trek. You know, we all, we're big fans of that. And we can exist within that one form of community. That relationship is still a weak tie relationship in that it's only one thing that ties you together. Strong tie relationships, there's lots of things that tie you together. And that's what we would call marriage and long-term friendships. You don't necessarily agree on everything. You're together for more than just one shared interest. So what happens in these groups, they unite around that one strong interest. What happens? Conflict occurs. Disagreement about that one issue. Diversity of thought and opinion. What are those groups doing? Are they finding ways to heal and come together and have a more diverse understanding of their community? In general, they're not. They just fracture. And then they go and find other people who agree with what they agree with. So we're not learning the strength is we can unite with people around one issue. But when conflict occurs, because we can go to so many other people, we can replace people. People are replaceable online. I got thousands, millions of people I can find. We don't take the time to go through that conflict. So to me, that's both sides of it. The toxicity is we only unite with people as much as they agree with us versus we're forming a community. And a community goes through conflict. And a community has diversity. And a community loves each other regardless if we disagree. So that's what I would look at. Almost every expression has a positive side, but the danger of it is how do we handle conflict? How do we handle when that thing that brought us together uh, isn't as happy as it was when we started? So what's the next book? <laughs> I don't know. Come Man, I, I am so – by the way, as a pastor, I'm just going to say this to you. So don't tell anybody. Everybody listening, you can't tell anyone. But when you write Christian books, you have to dot every T – no, you don't dot T's. You cross T's <laughs> and you dot every I. There's that tells you how I am. Not right? anymore. You're, you're done. <laughs> yeah, and I just, you know, I just would like to write maybe a a fiction book where I don't have to have the answer and I can just say some nebulous thing and I don't finish the thought and it just feels a certain way. So that's kind of where I'm torn. I'm torn between the nonfiction where you have to kind of finish every thought Versus just doing something kind of emotional, emotive, or humorous, or funny. So that's an honest answer for me. I don't quite know where I'm at. Yeah, I want to know for you, though. Sorry. On. Well, hey. for you, because I, I don't trust, like, I'll talk forever. Like, I want to partly interview you as well. Like, do you have more? What are you doing? You have six different ministries. Do these all go together? What's the big picture for you? Like, what does that mean? What are, what are you doing? Digital ministry? Explain it to the person who has no idea. Yeah. So the thing that makes me different um, is is that I believe that we can do church, uh, a, a biblically solid, ecclesiologically stable church in digital and or metaverse virtual reality space. Okay. And so I, um, uh, for for years, going back to 2018, 
I started championing this idea of, of a digital expression of church. I started a company called The Church Digital, really kind of screaming it from the rooftops, celebrating stories and examples of, of churches that were experimenting with it, their successes, their failures, their lessons. Yeah, listen, a physical church wants to help with digital discipleship. I can do that. Um, you know, I, I can help with that. And, and there's, there's some things that, that we extend beyond, but it really was about championing uh, these different types of, of, of churches pastored by different types of people in different environments that are reaching different types of people than the buildings are, are reaching. And, and so yeah. like that became the heartbeat. Uh, and I worked with organizations like Stadia Church Planting on, on championing that, which was an awesome experience, but it wasn't quite, it didn't give me the opportunity to really help the big C church as much as just the little funnel that not to, to, to guard, uh, dis, to disregard what Stadia was doing, but it was a smaller subsector of a much larger problem. And so resigned from Stadia and, and actually started the nonprofit Digital Church Network. So I, I run a consulting company, the Church Digital. I run a, a nonprofit agency, Digital Church Network. I'm not going to lie to you. There's no money in either of those. Uh, and, and so, hey, I've got to figure out how to, like, I don't know, buy groceries. And so I uh, was approached by an organization called Leadership Network that's very close with Exponential. And they're wanting me to come on and talk about Metaverse Church. And, and at the same time, I can talk about Digital Church Network. Okay, I'll do that. Um, yeah. You know, a, a no, new thing network is, is actually our partner, our ministry partner with Digital Church Network. And they're like, hey, we, we want to, you know, pay you some salary to, to help us digitally and develop a digital strategy with new thing. Okay, I can do that. Um, Media Impact International is um, uh, a, a new relationship that I have just within the past couple of weeks where they're doing social media training and, and resourcing um, organizations and churches in the Middle East, in the MENA mm. region, in North Africa. Yeah. And it's like, yes, I want to learn from the global church. And, and so it's all of this. It sounds very cluttered and messy and it's it's hectic i'm not gonna lie but it's all centered around understanding and, and gaining insight on how the church can better utilize this technology yeah. not just to broadcast a service not just to do something on social media uh but to actually create expressions of church utilizing this technology and digital and metaverse well, it doesn't sound cluttered to me at all. I, for me, I'd like to do a hundred things at once. I don't believe in reincarnation, but I understand how the idea was formed because I need more than one life to do all the things that I want to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that resonates with you. Uh, one of the things I want to ask you on this is, and this I think goes along with even McLuhan who said, people tend to think, oh, you know, a medium just going to take the same message and put it on a new medium, you know, the same way of doing things. And kind of, I see this with how the church uses uh, the internet, social media, the digital world, is they basically try to recreate a form of what they're doing, a structure in person online. And uh, I was wondering your thoughts on this. So here's just like an example. We don't do this well as a church, but I have an in-person service, and then we have a separate online service. Now it's recorded. Again, we're a small church, so I can't do all the kind of monitoring. But I thought, I don't want to just record people watching our service. To me, that's not really what social media or YouTube or those things are like. So I do a message where my wife and I, we're looking at the camera, we're talking to the people directly. That's our expression. And then on Sunday mornings, it's more a, a different expression. So, And I'm still trying to discover, what are your thoughts on this of how far, let's say, the church has gone to allow the technology to change the way we express or to form the best way to express? Or are we just taking what we do in person and trying to put it online, you know, that tension, where do you see the church at? I mean, that's, that's, that's a great question. That's a great tension for, for a small church to, to live in. Um, to be honest, I, I'm the guy who's like, hey, you know what, small churches, maybe you don't stream your services online. If you're really wanting yeah. to be effective in reaching people, creating a, um, a, a mid-quality video product and putting it online for people to watch, like that may not be the best option for you. Irma McManus has, has said this recently. If you really respect your, your physical gathering, don't stream it online. Like if physical gathering is the thing for you, don't cheapen yeah. it by doing it online. Do something else online. And, and like uh, 
an alpha course online or a, a, a small groups or, or a relational or empowering the people in your pews or in your seats to reach their circle of influence digitally, to be digital missionaries in social media or in the metaverse. Like there's so many other things more effective than streaming a service online mm-hmm. people that have spiritual questions they're not looking to church online services they're looking to their friends for spiritual answers and they're looking to google and google's not picking up your service and so it's understanding digital strategy and it's understanding disciple making and the relational aspect of a small church doing this is incredible but they've got to realize that they, it's not competing with the big boys let the big boys be the big boys small churches need to be authentic to who they are which is relational, if nothing yeah. else. Okay, and the challenge with the online, you talked about being able to have church in digital spaces. What do you think is the, the biggest weakness? Like if the accusation that most sticks, like here's the problem when someone says, this is why I don't think uh, you can really have church in a digital space. Yeah, I, I think that there are people that are more comfortable with it than not. And, and so like, mm-hmm. uh, you'll never hear me say everything has to be digital. That would be chaotic. But you're, you're not going to hear me say everything has to be physical because there yeah. are people that connect digitally as well as physically. Like I, yeah. I can even look at, at, at the younger generation and the kids where like the, the line of physical and digital – I mean it exists for me. I'm 45 years old. I remember a life before the internet. Yeah. And, and so for a native, somebody that can dance back and forth between the two, it's, it's not there. Yeah. The thing that scares me, the thing that gives me pause really is, is the mental health uh, implications of, of what's happening. Like we're challenging yeah. – and I don't know. I'm, I'm working on this. This is, this is one of my goals of 23. Um, like we are literally challenging people to be on mission in spaces that are addictive. Uh, secondhand trauma is an actual thing. We're, we're dealing with the, the high levels of depression, uh, suicidal rate, and especially when you get into the metaverse, uh, you're seeing a lot of um, uh, por- pornography. Uh, you're seeing a lot of, of drug, alcoholism. Like these things are very strong in, in digital and metaverse spaces. I've, I've actually I had a friend of mine, a former um, digital pastor. She, she tried to commit suicide earlier this year, a good friend. And, and, and thankfully, her husband stopped her. Um, and, and when, when, when I asked weeks later, why, what happened, Jeff, I, I, I things got dark. Um, yeah. and, and because I was digital, I didn't have a community around me to talk to, and mm. I didn't know where to go. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I talk a bit in the book posting piece about strong ties versus weak tie relationships. Um, a weak tie relationship is you're just connected on one thing. And that's not wrong. You know, just one issue. Strong tie means many things you're connected with. Strong ties would be like friendships, marriage, those sorts of things. Uh, what's happening in social media, and you can see this anxiety in kids and in adults, is they have lots of weak tie relationships. So they have thousands of people that they interact with, whether it's Facebook, Snapchat, whatever the, the platform they're on. But it kind of feels like as much as I interact with them, I exist. But the moment I stop posting, the moment I stop interacting, I disappear. There's not a connection that goes beyond that. So there's less and are fewer and fewer uh, strong tie relationships. So that also puts a strain on our strong ties, on our marriage. So you know, in a church context, let's say if you go into a physical space of a church, it's more than just uniting about one thing. You're hanging out. You talk about larger things. If it's healthy, you connect on other things, your children, whatever. So you have more of a relationship there. Online, you might feel like someone's only interacting with me as much as I'm posting a picture or sharing a thought or a comment. The moment I stop, I disappear. Uh, and that could be true if I stop going to church, I disappear. But at least when you're hurting, you can show up at church and people see you're hurting and they can come to you, hopefully, if they're healthy again and, and meet yep. with you. So this is a struggle that people have more and more weak tie relationships than ever before, less strong tie. And then also we're putting strains on that. And then we're not able to go through conflicts as much because one of the things I think the Internet does, the strength is it provides us to have relationships. The weakness is it's keeping us from learning how to go through conflicts. And I, here's the perfect example. Go back to olden days, let's say before the car. Um, what was your social network before the car? Basically, anyone within walking distance or you hook up the wagon, right? It's a very limited group of people. 
Why did people reconcile or try to get along in olden days? It wasn't because they were better people. They did it because they had to. Because if you get in a fight with your neighbor, there's no one to talk to. So you have to find a way to get along with your neighbor. And there's only two churches in town. And if you don't find a way to exist with that church, there's no church online. There's no, you might have one book about God. You don't, you can't search sermons. So people had to learn to deal with difficult people, have a more diverse expression of community. Now, they didn't always do this. There's terrible things about the olden days, right? Where you had the neighbor who controlled everyone, the pastor who controlled everyone, and people were stuck in these abusive systems. So I'm not saying that was a good time. It's just what it was. Now, what's the strength of the internet? I don't have to go to that abusive church. I don't have to have that nosy neighbor control my life. But now I have all these options, and we're finding this with people. The moment conflict occurs, they just find someone else. I got a million churches. I got a million people I can connect with. It's a strength to have all those opportunities. But we're forgetting how to be Christians, to go through conflict, to express love, to do those things. So I think that's hitting with this depression, too, is we're isolated. Uh, We have these weak tie relationships. And then when conflicts occur, instead of going through that, even if we want to go through, people quickly abandon us and replace us for someone else. So it can be a very challenging environment. No, I, I, I love that. You know, trying to get the I mean, you're really speaking towards emotional IQ. Uh, the maturity of of the situation uh, of of the individuals yeah. here. We um, in, in digital, we we talk a lot about uh, it's a standard of online to offline. Simply, it, the gospel yeah. that we hear online, it has to influence our offline, our, our our physical relationships. Otherwise, what we're doing is we're creating consumers. It's it's consumerism. I mean, it's based off of James yeah. one twenty two. Don't just be hearers of the word. Paraphrasing online. And so deceive yourselves, do what the word says in the real world. And and so there's an opportunity. And this is what I think makes a lot of what we talk about differently, at least through Digital Church Network, the church digital, like the the platform, even pre-COVID, was it's not just consuming a product. Uh, There's the challenge to have this impact the real world, where we're not just hearing sermons about conflict resolution. We're not just consuming that as product, but we are challenging you, audience, to live this out in your life, to be that representative. If you've got conflict, resolve it. Um, If I am, you know, I I tell this story, we want to see the the fruits of the spirit in not just physical, digital realm, but we want to see it in physical too. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think that was all of them. But if, if I am a, um, if I'm a strong Christian, if I'm exuding the fruits of the Spirit digitally, in physical realm, I'm abusive to my wife. I'm, I'm verbally abusive to the kids, and I steal from my workplace. I mean, you're using words like hypocrite or worse to describe me. And, and so if we are going to do church, if we're going to be the church digitally, I think there's a, a demand that we exude that we're consistent with that, with our fruits of yeah. the Spirit. We're consistent yeah. with our spirituality, with our maturity. And, and that yeah. maybe it's not run away like you're talking about, run away to go to the easier option. It's no, I've got to exude that in physical space, and, and we're going we're gonna to grow through this. I, actually, I had a question so for good. you. I, I, I want to turn yeah. this on, on you a little bit. Um, you're talking about, you're using words, uh, forgive me, you said one and then multiple, like it's strands, strings. What's what's the label that you've said here a couple of times? Where you're, you're talking about like, um, man, this is embarrassing. Weak, I, I just, weak I tie versus strong tie you're talking Thank about? You, that's what I'm asking. What? So yeah. a weak tie is, is it basically you've said like one strand and, and then- You just connect on tie. one thing. We all like Star Trek. That's a weak can, tie. Can you, can you grow from a weak to a strong? Isn't that how relationships grow? I mean, yeah. we start- with an interest, you know, our kids played softball together, right? And then we started talk, but even softball is an opportunity to talk about something else. This is a fascinating thing about as well. I don't talk about this much in the book, but it fascinates me. The concept of we are more segmented than ever before. So my son is playing his switch and listening to YouTube. I'm watching TV like an old man. My wife is on Instagram. Somebody else is doing something else. Now, I don't think any of those things are wrong, but we're all doing different things. How do we form human connections? By doing something together, 
as we do it together, other connections form, other conversations arise. It's like, why did the guy like going hunting with his dad or fishing with his dad? It's more than the hunting. It's more than the fishing. It's the conversations that occurred during the time. What we're doing right now as a culture is we're so segmented in our own groups that we're not able to have those conversations where we go beyond a weak tie into a strong tie relationship. It's just about politics, you know, far right, far left, whatever. It's just about, and we're just enmeshed you know are immersed in that stuff so yeah i think weak ties can become strong ties but you need to have a safe space where you can do something together uh and then by doing something together and having a relationship then other things rise up so to me like in the home you know i have to find ways something we like to do together and if we don't like doing things together then i have to find a way to be interested in my son's youtube videos and his switch because as we do that together then he might have a conversation about what happened at school or something he's upset about. Uh, that's the whole family dinner thing. We all need to gather around for family dinner. I don't think we all need to be at the family table. But what happens when we're all together at the family table? We talk about other stuff. So in this yeah. digital age with all the strengths of all the things we can do to build stronger tie relationships, we got to do stuff together and be able to bring in other things that we can talk about than just our interests and our wants. That I'm I'm not ready to say that's a weakness of digital church, um, but I don't know that we've cracked the 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 shell. I don't think we've got a solution for uh, generational church digitally. Yeah, you know, yeah. A, a lot of the, a lot of the church, a lot of the church, not all of them. Some of them are are more um, generic in, in who they're reaching. But you know, in, in the internet, if you're trying to reach everybody, you're not reaching anybody. There's the largest right. nation on the planet is Facebook users. And, and so like to try, you can't effectively target everybody. And so, you know, rule number one of digital, narrow the focus, it create a persona. And, and so as a result of that, you're right. We are, are creating echo chambers. We are surrounding ourselves with, with people that, that think like us transparent here. Um, and, and yes, that could be a perceived weakness. There's an opportunity though, to grow beyond that. I mean, I, I can tell you, this is interesting. Mark Lutz is a, is a, is a, a digital church planter. He's been running Lux digital church for about a year on Twitch and on discord. It's a video game church. He's a video gamer hmm. and, and he's got, I forget the age of the grandma, but like she's in her seventies or eighties. Uh, who's very active in discord being discipled through this church. Like, which, and, and it's funny because Mark, like, she didn't even know what Discord was before the church. It's not like she's some abnormality that's really hyped up yeah. about, you know, um, Fortnite. She just somehow got connected into this community and, and loved it and is being stretched as a result of it. And so we're seeing exceptions to the rule. And, and I think what happens is when the church has time to, like, if the church is really successful in, in multiplying, like if we are actually successful in helping people realize that they have spiritual mission and, and that they're not just consuming a product, but they need to be exuding this in physical realm. If I start with a gamer, well, that gamer is probably going to have a conversation with their spouse relatively quickly. And they're going to talk yeah. to the friend across the street. They're going to talk to uh, the, the kids at the Taekwondo dojo. And, and so as a result of this, you're seeing um, some diversification, I think, that that's happening. Uh, and we're seeing early signs of that, uh, yeah. but but it's really too soon to tell, I think, on how vast it can be and what that reach is as we're trying to get beyond the echo chamber. I love, you know, any creative expression. I, I uh, well, one of the things I, I sometimes get frustrated, if you ever met a pastor, is like, what we need to be is a local church in our local community. You know, we eat and drink and connect in this neighborhood and it sounds very ideal but people don't live in their local they they live somewhere they move they work 30 minutes away from there they're involved in a soccer match that's you know regional they don't do that that's an old timey idea that doesn't exist anymore people are connected at all kinds of different ways and so i think that is one of the strengths of the digital issue is you're trying to find out how people actually are connected they're connecting through like interests they're more connected with someone thousand of miles away than they are with their neighbor and we could say well that shouldn't be that way well it just is that way yeah how do we connect with them to me a church though at some level has to be large enough that someone can annoy you and small enough that you can connect with someone 
so to me, if I'm in a group that I'm just isolating with people that I like, I don't know if that's really a church. Uh, it's got to be that there's some annoying, difficult people that you're trying to love. This is another strength and a weakness of the internet. Rainey and Wellman, two, um, I think they're Pew Research uh, people, they said uh, the internet is used for networked individualism. And they use this as a strength. So I network with people based on my individualistic needs. I need something answered, and I find a group for that. I like Star Trek. I find a group that meets that need. Uh, I like to complain about the government. I find a group that meets that need. But it's my individual need that I find networks for. The problem with that is that turns us into consumers that only relate with people as much as they meet our individual needs. And so we don't want church to be that way. And church can be that way in person as much as it can be that way online. I'm not going to church just for me. I'm going to church because I've been called into community. I'm not going to this Bible study just for me, but because I've been called into community, expression larger than myself. Whether it's in person or online, that's the kind of teaching that somehow has to be there. This isn't just about what meets our individual needs. It's about building a community. And that part, like I think about building a community, people will ask me, Doug, how's Evergreen Church doing? That's the church I serve. Because the church has an expression larger than myself. People seldom say, how's Facebook doing? How's Twitter doing? Because we're not seeing those as communities. We're seeing them as avenues for our personal expression that we can take a break from, you know, a sabbatical from. So I think using these platforms, we still need to have communities where we can say, how is the digital church doing? And it has a concept that's larger than Jeff and Doug and our individual needs. And that is a challenge, whether it's in person or online. Yeah, that's I mean, you're you're 100 percent right. Um, You know, we can. And one of one of the fears that I have with um, a digital expression of a church is some of the ones that I've seen are very uh, personality centric. Um, And and that's 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 a fear. Um, I, I don't think it's, I, I think it's a, um, a tension to be managed. I mean, using the phrase that, that you said earlier, cause I, cause you, you're, you're building this off of an individual, you're using an individual influence to point to a church, to point to a community. And, and we're seeing, um, honestly some great success. I'm going to use a word you may not know, asynchronous communities. Uh, this is, these are software like discord or like Slack or WhatsApp. Mighty networks, e- even Facebook groups. There's actually a um, uh, an established. It's interesting. I just did a podcast last, last week, uh, and so Seacoast up in um, the Carolinas areas, um, they ran an experiment. And this is you go know, listen to last week's episode to hear it. I love this episode. There was this 20 year old kid. The 20 year old kid had an idea. Um, why don't we create as an intern? They literally get, listened to the intern. I'm so proud of this church. The intern had an idea. What if we created a community over here in Discord and we connected with Christian influencers and we allowed them to talk about our community? And so the influencers who are just creating content noise, they literally started to point to the community. So the purpose of the influencer wasn't noise it was community and then within the community they started to to build relationships they started to do bible studies they started to do discipleship within this discord community the influencer now has purpose beyond just the the fuzzy feeling from that scripture because now it's reinforced by a disciple making community by the way there's three thousand people in that uh discord that are now yeah. going through the process. And, and what's funny is that church is growing. So this group is going so fast. Like the leadership's like, we don't know what we're doing. How, how, do, how do we do this? What? And, and so they're, they're experimenting, they're trying, but it's like, God bless them for, for doing yeah. something. With and I'm all for the experimentation. The biggest one for me is online. Can I find someone if they disappear? And my argument is if I can't find a person, then I don't know if we had community. Like if someone stops coming to church, I know where they live. I can find them. I can connect with them. There's another way. And I think that part of connection, not like everyone has to do that, but there needs to be that progression. There's people who show up to church that I can't find. They're a visitor. I never see them again. That's fine. But others where if they disappear, they don't just disappear. And I think that's the area we kind of have to look at, respecting people's boundaries, their privacy, but also being able to help someone and find them, seek the lost sheep, bless them, encourage them, those who are weak. But I want to ask you some questions here. Okay, so this, what am I on right now? Is this a podcast, a video? Like I know sometimes people aggregate these in all kinds of directions. What is this going to be used for? It's it's both. It's the video will be on YouTube and the podcast. We get maybe 
five times more audience on audio only than video. Okay. All right. So doing these podcasts, what is the thing you wish people would do that frustrates you that they won't? You know, even people who like the show, who are like, what's the one thing that would just help you the most? Like, if you would only do this, you don't know how much it would help me in this endeavor. What, what is the one or two things that uh, come to mind? You can make future checks payable to Jeff. No, I'm kidding. That, that, that uh, say me. what you think. Tell me what. <laughs> tell it. I'm, I'm interviewing you. This yeah, is not no, your I, question. You didn't give me a list of questions. I want to know the answer on this. I, I, I love it. The, the biggest hurdle, um, and, and, and the audience knows this, the biggest hurdle I see it time and time again with churches right now, where we are in, in September, August, September 2022, um, physical pastors are wanting to get back to physical buildings and putting all the eggs in that basket, which may be the right answer for today. Uh, but it's it's fraudulent and it's short-sighted because I think there's an opportunity to do something different. Um, yeah. and, and so it's the, the the challenge of, and we talk about it, the challenge of experimenting, the challenge of, of embracing a, a digital discipleship system so that it's uh, to allow for more scalability, uh, the, the challenge to reach a different person by doing something different uh, instead of just trying to do the same thing over and over again. Um, you know, I mean, the church, February 2020 was not a great time in context of the church. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're in 20, I think there was a 25% decrease over a 23-year period, according to multiple stats. Um, we were we were at a decline. We were actually on a little bit of a tick up, but after a multi-year de- decline heading out of 2019. Um, so, like, to go back and say, oh, that was the golden age, I, I think is very short-sighted. And yeah. the 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 opportunities to do something different, like there's no better time than now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, oftentimes, you know, I have the conversations where the people that are wanting to do something different don't have the clout within the organization to make that happen. Right. Right. And that's uh, often so a generational thing, too. Right. You have older people in the lead pastor role and then the younger people like do something digital. <laughs> But it doesn't mean they know how to – here's the struggle, though, isn't it? People are more worn out than ever. And I know as a pastor where I'll just say no because I just don't want to fail at another thing. You know, Just say no without even – you know, I'm doing enough, not well. I don't need to do another thing. Where you're thinking in the long haul, this will help you with all those things. But it's so hard when someone is weak, feeling worn out, to get them to have that longer view picture, isn't it? Yeah, I it was there was a there was a, a nationally known Christian um, influencer uh, works a lot with church leaders, and uh, I, it's funny I don't listen to his his podcast a lot. Uh, I listen to this one episode, and uh, I, I about literally I about f bombed in my car driving <laughs> down the road when he's like, "Pastors, we have pivoted enough. It's time to stop, and and, and it's time to it's time to rest." Uh, and, and it's time to be just good enough where we are. And, and okay, yeah, hey, we need to rest. Hey, it's been a very rough season. Um, but don't call this the promised land. Don't call this the completion of the Great Commission. And, and what it's, 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 it's funny, Doug, when, when people talk with me, um, we start talking technology, but we don't stick on technology long. Because it gets yeah. down to disciple making, it's down to multiplication, it gets down to helping people find their mission, embracing missional imagination, um, giving them, pastor, don't be upset people are not in your building. Be upset people have no spiritual purpose when they're not in your building. And, and so it's, it's these types of things that if I could like scream from the rooftops and get everybody to listen, I, it, it does, if, it's, if it's digital, if it's micro, if it's whatever it is, but the idea that one model that one expression of church is going, especially in America, is going to be able to reach these people here consistently. The answer is no. And we have yeah. 25 years history to show that. Uh, and so to say we don't need to pivot. Well, you haven't listened over the past 25 years. Maybe if we had pivoted before or were more aware, uh, but we didn't know. And, and so to me, that's that's the frustrating piece. Yeah, okay, yeah. We've, we've got the great, uh, what is it? The great exodus, the great resignation is happening. That's not just the church thing. That's across the board. And what another reason, church, for us to pivot, to understand. We're looking at a new level of financing, even in our churches. We're not going to be able to roll as deep 
on the staffing as we were because giving or even finding credible people to take these jobs is going to be hard to find. We have to pivot to something different. I mean, it really is the challenge. I'm not trying to be a naysayer. I personally believe there's going to be a huge decline in the American church in the next 10 to 20 years, no matter what is done. I know as a pastor, uh, like an online, by the way, a pastor online, for the most part, I just get beat up regularly. It's not a place you go to be encouraged or built up. Almost all the Christians I follow, their poster about what's wrong with the church and what's wrong with pastors and what's wrong. And a lot of them, you know, it's because they've been hurt. And the, But you just get like, huh, I just, <laughs> you just feel like I don't want to go there. Uh, but the reality is, um, you know, okay, we've done what's wrong. We've deconstructed. We've, But what are we going to do now? And I think to me is I want to, instead of holding on to the last gasps of something that might be declining or fading away, I'd rather make room for the possibility of the future. And even if I fail at it, I still would rather give opportunity for people to follow my example and learn from it for what they're doing than to hold on to something that no one's going to be caring about. And I think that's beyond even digital. It's just a lot of the things that we're doing. And I just wanted to let you know that that's what I respect about what you're doing. I know the entrepreneurial spirit, a lot of things you do, lots of vision, not much money to resource it. And sometimes it can be, why am I doing this, you know, Lord? Um, But I do know, like, I'd like you to succeed, whatever that means. But even if you don't, you've decided not to bow down and you've decided that your life would be a witness that others could follow, that you're laying a foundation that allows others to follow. And you need to remember that because I don't know how you assess it through analytics, through, you know, all those assessments. But uh, fear can keep people just doing the same thing and working on the same thing until it, you know, just ends. And, uh, and also, you know, some people, they're called to do that. That's fine. But I found like what I do, I pastor, I do books, I do online stuff. It doesn't fit into really any category. And sometimes I get judged by that. But I want to ultimately make ministry authentically me and then people can reject the core of who I am hmm. because I want other people to be authentically them. I don't want them to fit into the role of what a pastor is supposed to be, an author is supposed to be, a person. I just want them to be obedient to what the Spirit of the Lord has called them to do. And I don't have a right to judge that. You know, the harvest is ripe, workers are few. There's so many yep. people in need. So I want to encourage any expression. You might tell me what you're doing. Like, I, I, that doesn't make sense to me at all. I think that's terrible. But I want someone in that field because you know that there's field after field after field that people aren't there. And that's kind of, I don't think I'm a good pastor, but I don't think there's a lot of people doing what I'm doing. So I'm going to do it until God replaces me. So we need to encourage more people to do more things, creative expressions, expand the definition of the church, and then be Christ, be Christ to people. That definition doesn't change to be Christ, to love, you know, we can be biblically based and look very different in our expressions. That's my sermon. I'm going to pass around the offering plate now and, uh, you were just my pastor, Doug. Like that, <laughs> that was an incredible online pastoral expression. Uh, and, and so thank you for that. We, um, yeah. it's, it's funny. We, we, have, we have a saying, uh, through, through DCN. Um, I think Chesley came up with it. Ches- Chesley Lundy. No, I mean, he found it somewhere, but it was funny. I Googled it and there's like 15 different expressions or offshoots of, of the phrase, but essentially it's, it's, uh, pioneers get slaughtered. Uh, settlers get rich and, 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 in, and in many ways, like what we're, what we're doing with, with how we're viewing digital ministry, which is amazing to me, 2022 post COVID, we're still getting slaughtered, you know, in, in many yeah. ways yeah. out there with it. Um, now what's, can what, I, can I use definition? I, I, I call it this, the prophetic middle. This might be my Pentecostal background, Okay, but sometimes we like to build ministries from starting from one camp or another camp, right? And then we try to build in a direction, but that's not really reconciliation. It's not, I think we kind of just put ourselves in the prophetic middle and then we trust that God connects us. And that's hard because you're really alone and none of the camps really accept you. But you know, if you just totally immerse yourself in one camp, then you lose the ability to speak to the other. And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of in that entrepreneurial spirit where you're doing that. And then it's just, Lord, I feel like you called me to do this and I'm trusting that I can connect with the people, but you can really feel like you're just out there alone, but you have to do that because otherwise you're just 
one group try you know it's the traditional church trying to convince people you're not or or even on the side of people who are hostile towards the church and giving that up and just the tech or they're hostile like you're even talking in ways that I know probably aren't accepted on all sides about there are these weaknesses to our technology and it can't just be it's all great and we do need real community and there are limitations when you do that, you're in the prophetic middle, and then you just have to hope that God connects you. And he does. He connects you to these amazing people. But I don't know if he necessarily connects you with money <laughs> or resource or fame or fortune. Uh, but, you know, eternal reward, I'm sure there's lots of that. That's, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, it's, it's, you've, you just literally put words, prophetic middle. I have been struggling with how to define that. And, and you just you just nailed it. I mean, here, here's the like. I, I want you to understand if if you wanted to get a picture of what my past four years has looked like. Um, so I was literally hired by Stadia to plant digital expressions of church because I was talking about digital expressions of church going all the way back to 2018 before any like any anybody had a clue about this. So I'm either a genius or I'm the lone idiot. I'm still the book, still not quite sure yet. Um, but we. As a result of taking this job, um, and so I started talking with organizations, people started finding, searching uh, on, on Google for planting a digital expression of church. At this point today, I have documented over 400 conversations with people that are wanting to plant a church exclusively in digital or metaverse space. Like this is not a couple people having a stupid idea. There are hundreds yeah. of this. And four years ago, Here's how the conversation would go uh, from the planter. Jeff, I've got this crazy idea. My, my pastor thinks I'm nuts. My denomination doesn't want anything to do with me. Uh, my spouse and my friends, because they've never seen it before, they don't even know how to support me or, or this, this idea. Jeff, is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Is this even bibl biblical? And so I had the opportunity to sit down with some of these guys, Chesley Lundy, Mark Lutz, and, and, and even tell the stories about some of these churches that had existed going all the way back to 2015. The oldest digital church, as far as I know, came 2011. It was planted by a teenager. A teenager planted a digital church in Roblox that's reached tens of thousands of people decades later. It's crazy how this is. Yeah, okay, the, the, the teenager didn't understand discipleship. He's a teenager. What were you doing when you were a teenager? Like, I mean, there, there's, anyway. Yeah, Old yeah, men yeah. don't <laughs> understand discipleship. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, the heart of this is decades or like years later, 2022. Hey, you know what? You're, you're not crazy. Your pastor may not understand. The denomination doesn't. But now there's people that are having success. Can I introduce you to them? I mean, this this is why I, I, I resigned from Stadia. This is why we started Digital Church Network so that we can be the community where that we can provide the care and we can provide the coaching for the people that have these ideas. We're not a denomination. We're, we're a network. We're a community. We're, we're, we're family to people who are literally alone. Like I joke with these, with these people. We're the island of misfit toys. Nobody, yeah. we, we're the prophetic middle. We don't speak to either side. We don't connect anymore, but that doesn't make us wrong. Well, and this is one of the things that drives me crazy. We are an assessment culture in general where there's less people on the field playing. There's more people in the stands just assessing what other people are doing. And that I, I think that's a problem. So I don't mind an opinion, but I'm like, go do your opinion. It's amazing how pristine an opinion can be. Uh, when you don't have to actually put it into practice. So to me, I encourage any expression. I'll have people say, you know, what's wrong with this kind of church? I'm like, fine, I get it. It's it's wrong. Go do what God's put on your heart. And then you're going to find, you're going to find the strengths and weaknesses to it. You're going to find how to modify it. But I believe the harvest is ripe and the workers are few. I want to welcome anyone who's going out into the world to reach people. And so that part of being threatened by it, being worried about it, you know, I, I just, I'm not afraid of that reality, but it, it will drive me crazy when someone will just every day, what's wrong with the church they left? What's wrong with this? And I'm like, you know, Christ in you has got to have some expression. There's got to be something you could partner with, something you could do. And then see if it works, because here's the reality, no matter how you do it, if you do it online, in person, in the hills, or in a cathedral, community's tough. 
and eventually you don't want to be in it. And eventually there's conflicts. <laughs> eventually, you know, and then you have to learn how to love and the universal things that happened in every age, regardless of the technology. So what I like and what you're doing and others are doing is here, you know, okay, you think the church should be more involved? Let's go do it. Plan a church. I'll resource you. I'll help you. You know, here's your yeah. questions. And then to me, managing expectations is probably the biggest thing. Okay. Doing that, are you okay if this doesn't happen? Are you okay if this happens? Like, as long as people can manage those expectations, and it's true with any kind of church expression, then it's okay. The other one, and anyone listening here, is I think we need to live for value in the doing. Everything I do has to have value in the doing. I think we get dangerous when we do something for a future payoff. Like, well, I'm going to start an online church, but it better get to this or it's failed. If you do that, you're going to be miserable. It has to have value in the doing. That means this service had value whether we do it again. This relationship had value whether it continues on. We need to free people up to do that because all these leadership books and expectations for the church have put so much pressure that you have to become a certain thing and you have to get past 100 people or 200 and you got There's all these expectations and people are living for some future payoff that never comes or when it comes, they're not satisfied. So to me, to encourage someone, do what God's put on your heart, make sure it has value in the doing. And whether you do it for one year or for 50 years, let's celebrate it that you spent time in the harvest. We have to expand the definition of church, expand the definition of pastor, celebrate more expressions, celebrate different issues of how long they are, their reach, their focus. The harvest is ripe, workers are few, and we are a diverse group of people, and our churches should express that diversity. You know, 75% of the people that we talk with about planning those churches, 75% over, are bivocational. Like, it is, yeah. it, it's, it's no longer um, seminary-educated. Uh, and it was interesting, when, when I was with Stadia, I was reporting 75-plus and and people that were planting physical churches even even 12 months ago like it was tw- within stadia it was 25% bivocational so they were seeing a bivocational shift but nowhere near as drastic as what i was reporting with 75 and and now yeah. you know a more recent stat they're seeing 25% actually move to to 50% 50% of the applicants that are want to plant a church through stadia are now bivocational and, and so there's this phenomenal shift towards this new model. Well, that would make sense, though, even in traditional churches. The problem with our church growth movement is it's platformed anomalies and exceptions to the rule. Uh, That's not the reality of the church. The majority of churches are under 250 people, bivocational pastors. But we've, we've created all those people to say, you're all doing it wrong. You all need to be something else. So the majority of the church are saying 80% of the church is doing it wrong. You got to be like the 20% anomaly. Now, I don't mind the 20%. I just think, I don't think God's looking at the majority of the church and saying, this is terrible. You need to be something different. Uh, so even with online expressions, uh, let it be what it is. And in the sense of uh, this is because, you. by the way, you don't even know what you're going to collect. I bet you a lot of people started and they thought they knew the people they're going to reach and they reached different people than they thought they're going to reach. You just yeah. don't know. Uh, but we need more vocational expressions. We need more. I, I don't I that's what's driven me crazy about all this. This literature on church leadership and growth has limited people's willingness to go be pastors because there's so many expectations. They're like, I can't be that. I have a doctorate of ministry. I have lots of education theologically. But if someone has a calling to plant a church, I want them to plan it, whether they don't have an AA. Now, do I want them to continue in education and be in community and grow and learn? You bet. But to think that somehow you need that uh, traditional formal education to to go out and preach the gospel is foolishness to fishermen. So I like this concept, you know, release people. But we are so much more healthy when we're doing than when we're assessing. I would even tell some of the people listening right now, if you're really bitter with like and you're critiquing other expressions, often it's a sign that you're critiquing expressions where you should be doing that. But because you're not doing something like that, all you can do is critique other people who are doing it. You've got to make room for that gifting. If you're spending all your time critiquing other people's messages, then you need to get a message out there. If you're spending all your time critiquing how people are forming church, then you need to form something. Uh, And I've often found 
a sign that we're not using our gifting is we begin to judge other people who are using that gifting. Now, that's hard because we think people may judge us the way we've been judging them. But that helps us with how we interact with people when we start doing it ourselves. Maybe that brings about a little humility, right? I mean, maybe. Yes, it does. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, hopefully. I used to, when I, when I was, uh, this is maybe a couple of decades ago, but I used to say that the complaint, bo- I was a set up in Teardown Church. And so I'd be like, the complaint box uh, exists in, in, the, in the box truck. And so, like, if you want to complain, you better be working because if you're if you're complaining and you're working, then maybe you've got value with that because you're you're part of the solution instead of just the the disgruntled guy. Hey, here's another question I want to ask you because we've gone a little while and I want to make sure I get this in. Um, big big picture, you know, the dream stuff that you maybe don't share with everybody because it might seem foolish. I guess it's not like Joseph's, you know. Coat of many colors, and your brothers are all going to throw you in a pit for telling your yeah. dreams. But what? What's the big? I, ideally, you'd love it if the work you're doing here, you know, twenty years from now, thirty years from now, fifty, what it could become, yeah. or your desire for the church. What is that? You know, I, um, I, I, I am a, I'm an AV guy. I'm literally the geek that sits in the church closet. And, and runs the technology that that's, that's what my, that's what my training was. And, and so even that, um, um, you're asking me some of these questions, it, it like those, my friends who know me, my friends who knew me 20 years ago, they, they can't believe some of the stuff that I'm, I'm in. I can't believe some of the stuff that, that I'm involved in. And so I had the, I had the uh, honor, Dave Ferguson's a friend, but I had an honor of sitting down with him maybe a year ago at, at a conference. And, um, and, and I started casting vision towards what we're doing with Digital Church Network. And, um, and and Dave looked at me, and it was just incredible. Like, I had booked 15 minutes with the guy, and 15 went to 30. 30 minutes went to an hour. I almost spent 90 minutes. And I'm not bragging here. This is just the overwhelming thing of how I believe God's in the middle of this. Like, And, and Dave looks at me after hearing me talk about my heart and these people and this opportunity and what we want to see. And Dave says, Jeff. Do you realize if this actually works the way that you're describing, you're going to be bigger than the Catholic Church? And, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I hadn't thought of it that way. And I kind of freaked me out at the moment. I may have gone into a panic attack, but that's a, another conversation. I mean, the, the heart of this is, is that, I, and I think I said it earlier, I, I want to reach a different type of person in the building. I want to empower a different type of leader in different environments where discipleship may look different. For the love of God, I just want to do something different than we're already doing. And, 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 if, and if we can create a new model of church, not the only model, I don't want to evolve, I'm not exclusive, but just a new model to reach different people than what we're reaching currently, that's a kingdom win. And, and, mm. and so that's, that's for me is, is, is the goal to be able to, to see generations of disciples being created as a result, multiplying disciples being created as a result of the ministry that we're doing. Oh, by the way, in digital and, and metaverse space. And, yeah. and we're seeing it happen on a, on a, I would say micro, we're seeing it happen on, on, on some situations, but obviously there's an opportunity for more. That's really good. I, I, it frustrates me when people have to tear down another expression to make room for their own, which to me is always yeah. a sign of insecurity you know, I got to tear down large churches for a small church. I got to tear down traditional churches for house churches. You know, I, I just, I, I'm going to go do what God's put on my heart. I'm going to trust other people are trying to listen to the Lord with their expressions. One question, though, follow up. Uh, so we tithing in crypto? Is that what we're doing online? <laughs> how's, how's this going to work? <laughs> you, you, you laugh. Um, yeah, I mean, that actually is, is a conversation. I mean, I listen, I, I'm, we're in the middle of, of talking about blockchain crypto. We're talking about DAOs. We're talking about decentralized expressions of church. Um, and, and so, I mean, yeah, most most will accept um, Venmo and, and Cash App and credit cards. Yeah. But um, listen, the, the next, I, I mean, I just literally did, did uh, interviews on that today. Um, church is going to look different. And, and we've got to be okay with that. If, if, if you are digging into your, to your typical model and you're unable to give, then you're making your model an idol. Um, and, and I even, it's, it's funny, like as much as I passionate I am about digital and meta, the day that something else comes out better that's more effective in creating disciples and multiplying disciples, 
I'm going to embrace that idea because that's the end game. And, and so as much as we're kind of stuck trying to, well, that's not the way that it used to be. That's not the way that it was. That's not that. And, and even and what, what drives me nuts is the, well, that's not the way that it is in the Bible. Well, shoot, they didn't talk about crypto in, in the Bible. Really? Like, is that what you want to, is that what you really want to yeah. get into? Um, yeah. They they didn't talk about your steeples in the Bible either. So let's yeah. let's really start to be consistent. Well, and they were pragmatic too, because sometimes people, well, it's a house church. Well, you know why they were house church? Because they were kicked out of the synagogues. They probably would have stayed in the synagogues if they hadn't been kicked out of that. And then why did they kind of move from house churches back into regular churches? Because mart- people were martyred in their homes, and things happened, and there was instability, and so they decided to have its own place. You know, those are all pragmatic decisions, and then we turn them into the "Thus saith the Lord." Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. People who are avoiding technology, and especially even older people, it's that's the reality. You want to be able to engage with people. You want to be able to connect with them. You don't want to find yourself in some isolated island. You know, obviously, some things interest us, some things don't. I get that, but I, I want to, when I die, whatever that is, that I'm connected with someone from every generation. At some level, I have a connection. I think we're dangerous if we're just with one group of our age or one ethnicity or one political category, or whatever. When we're just with a bunch of people like us. I don't know if we're where Jesus is because Jesus is going in every generation, every race, ethnicity, uh, economic strata. And the digital world, some of the most important conversations of our time are happening online. And that's, you know, if I come, bring it back to my book because I also have to sell books, Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. Um, the issue is like – some of the most important issues are being talked online, and shouldn't Christians be there, not just with different content, but with a different spirit? And regardless of what we're using, we can have a different spirit. We can engage these things and tell people we care about where they are and the spaces that they value. Amen. This has been fun. I, I got to tell you, I was nervous <laughs> walking in, uh, but but I, I love your conversation. Doug, Thank you for thank you for joining us today. Oh, Jeff, thanks for letting, you know, answer my questions and let me answer a few of yours. This really was a privilege. Awesome. So, hey, we're going to put a link in the show notes to uh, Doug's book. Check it out. Uh, Twitter, Fairly Spiritual. It sounds like there's a story there. I regret not having yeah, time to get into that. But uh, you can hit him up on Twitter and, and check out the book. But definitely excited, Doug. Thank you again for, for joining us. Uh, but we're going to land the plane. And so for Doug, this is... Jeff with the Church Digital, blah, 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 Digital Church Network, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Thanks for being on here. Y'all have a good day. See you next time on the show.